Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 6, 9 through 10. The word of the Lord. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Harbor. It is really special to be here on this stage with y'all during my warm-up for the mic. I had to say, hi, my name is Mike, and I'm on staff here, because that's what I said every week when I gave those announcements for about five years here in this place. Um, Yeah, so I'll start there. So my name is Mike, and for those who don't know, my wife and I actually met in this church about 11 years ago. In a few months, we've been married for 10 years, which is awesome. Um... And eventually I started working here on staff about seven years ago. I was here for five years and just was blessed to be able to to work here with you all and serve in this place. And it was just such an amazing time. Two of our our kids were born while we were here. Both of them were baptized in this church. Um, So this church is just so central. And on top of that, three years ago, when we started to, to, to pray about and raise funds eventually to move to Uganda, Uh, we could not have been more supported and more loved and more encouraged than the way you uh, did that and continue to to this day. So we love this church. This place is our home, and we are just so deeply, deeply grateful. So just begin by saying thank you, and thank you for having us back. We are thrilled to be here. I am probably going to preach for about an hour, so you're going to be glad when we move back to Uganda where it's hot like the desert. Um, But... uh, When I was thinking uh, in Uganda about some sermons that I might need to prepare, we'd be doing things, and I started to write down four ideas for sermons, and I had a note in my phone, sermon seeds, and I don't know if that's a thing, but that's what I called it, and I was like, oh, this this one's from the Lord's parents about this and the kingdom, oh, and this one's Ecclesiastes, and oh, the church needs to hear this other one, and then later I looked at it, and all four were the same sermon, exactly, and so I was like, okay, Lord, let's do all four at once, just kidding, we're not going to do all four. Um, But I just felt this overwhelming push to talk about the stuff that we had been learning because of the things that we're reading as a team, because of the things that we're experiencing, and the way that God's moving in our hearts. So we're going to try and narrow those four down into one in this short time. So I'll be editing as we go. But here it is. So the title this morning is, and if we have on the screen, that'd be great, God's plan to renew all things. A little audacious, I know, for me to try and tackle that. But I would have just been gripped, and I'm going to tip my hand and tell you what the answer is. I have just been gripped by this sense and learning about this, and it's, it's really informed what we're doing in our mission, and, and I think it, it, it did inform what we were doing before, but I wished I would have understood this thing. And here it is. God's plan to renew all things is you. God's plan to change the whole world it's you. It's what he's doing. There's this master plan. I'm going to start preaching. I'm not there yet. But there's this master plan that he's doing to renew everything and everyone in the whole world. And plan A was for Jesus to come, live this life, die on our behalf, rise again, find new life, and out of that resurrection, call others into a new resurrection life where he begins to undo the curse and the harm 
and the pain and the suffering through the people in his church. That was his plan. That was plan A. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't on accident. It wasn't because Satan foiled his plans. No, God's plan and what he's been doing since the garden to this day that will culminate at the end of history is to renew all things through his people. That's awesome, right? So what on earth do we do with that? And what does it have to do with the Lord's Prayer? Let me pray and and we'll see if we can handle this. Let's pray. God, um, I need you. Thank you that we get you in Jesus. Thank you for new life in him. Thank you for how much you love us. Out of that love for us, out of that new identity for those of us who know you through Jesus, show us that that love you have for us and that identity in our calling, in our salvation is a call to mission and grip our hearts, grip my heart more because we want to be a part of what you're doing because it's exciting and it's an incredible blessing to be a part of it. Speak to us today through your word. Spirit, do your work. Show up today for the sake of your name and we pray, amen. I'm gonna read that text again. It says, Matthew 6, um, I've been leading a series through the Lord's Prayer, teaching our students at Christ School and our staff about prayer through this, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And it's taken about eight weeks and I felt like we could have done it for like 80 to just dig every line. And all of these verses, there's this call to relationship and that relationship sends us. And so again, we'll, we'll talk, focus on that today. Matthew 9, I'll read it again for my sake. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My first point today, salvation leads to mission. And we could say salvation always leads or always includes mission. From the very first words in the Lord's Prayer, we, we see the gospel. Jesus invites us to pray to God as our Father in heaven. And it's easy to forget how big of a deal that was. It's such a, com- a, a, a pregnant compound phrase or sentence. And the last sermon in Uganda that I preached at that church was on this topic. Our, the word our means we are not alone. Jesus doesn't say we're supposed to pray my father. And if you do sometimes like I do, it's okay. I don't think he's gonna be mad. But he said our, not just as he was talking to a group, but because when we pray, every time we pray, we're joining with all of the saints in all of time and saying we are part of the body of Christ. Our, you are not alone. Our, your calling, your faith is not alone. Second, Father, the gospel invites us into intimate relationship with Jesus. When we know God, Jesus says, literally, call him daddy, dada, whatever intimate name, papa, whatever you called your dad, if you had a great intimate name for your father, or whatever you can imagine that sweet name being, that's what Jesus says, pray that way. There's a guy who works for our company, and every time he prays, prays, he gets up and he'll be like, dad, good afternoon. And I'm like, what? You know, because it's such a strange thing to hear someone say, and then I'm like, oh, right, you're actually praying what Jesus said to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Father means you have an intimate relationship with God simply by, having, by knowing Jesus. You are called into that. So our, you are not alone. Father, you are close. You are invited to be close with the Father. 
and then in heaven. This is a whole other sermon, I don't have time. But our dad, the one who looks at us as his sons and as his daughters, as the apple of his eye, when he looks at you, which is always, when he thinks about you, which is constantly, when he's with you, never leaving, you're the apple of his eye, that dad, he's the king of the universe. He's, he doesn't just have the keys to the kingdom, he's got the whole thing. Everything exists for him, and yet you have access to him as dad. So that's where the Lord's Prayer starts, right? Pretty cool, worth thinking about. So how, and, and before I go on, I just want to say, how do we get here? How do we get to a place where Jesus says, pray like this? And again, I think many of you know this, but maybe not all. Jesus was born as the God man, lived a perfect life, did some awesome stuff, didn't mess up or sin one time. And yet the people couldn't handle his message and his kingship. So they killed him, which we probably would too, because we'd be threatened by him. But God did this incredible thing for his son. He rose him from the dead three days later. And when he resurrected him to new life with a resurrected body, it was a, a taste of what we would get to experience in the future. And it was a first fruits. It was the beginning of the end of evil. It was the beginning of the end of suffering and pain and hurt. So that if we would trust in Jesus... We would get new life with him and a new identity and a new call so we could call God our father, God of the universe, dad. So Jesus offers us salvation, right? Jesus offers us forgiveness of sins, righteousness. And in that prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us that salvation, our father in heaven, is awesome. But he doesn't end the quote there. He says, hallowed be your name. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Hallowed be your name. When Jesus says, hallowed be your name, he's telling us that every time we pray in our relationship with God, our task is to help make the name of God be more revered. Our life, our salvation, part of the goal of what God has for us is to help make a big deal out of God. God's, another way to say it is this, God saves us as individuals so we can be part of something bigger than ourselves, which is to make his name be seen as what it actually is, which is beautiful and awesome. That thing I was talking about, all that work of Jesus, we call that the gospel. And something I was, was pounded into my head here at Harbor and I will never forget is these three things. The gospel is Jesus working for us, his finished work on the cross, his taking care of our sin, his righteousness. The gospel is Jesus working in us. It's the Holy Spirit renewing us to set and sanctifying us, growing us for the rest of our lives. But the gospel is also Jesus working through us in the Holy Spirit. God, the gospel says, your identity is part of it, is God working to renew all things through him. This prayer is interesting, hallowed be your name. Because God's name is holy, right? He is holy. He can't be more holy. He can't be more big. He can't be more glorified, uh, glorious and, and massive. He is huge. So why do we pray? Why does he tell us to pray 
may your name be made holy. Well, it's because there's places where his name is not holy in the mouths and in the lives of others, right? There are places where it doesn't feel like God is in charge. There's places where, and there's times in our lives and in our hearts when we're like, God, it doesn't feel like you're winning right now. Because it hurts because of that diagnosis, because of this crazy pandemic, because of the hatred on both sides of whatever argument we're in. God, what's going on? So he says, pray, may your name be made holy. On the earth and sometimes through the, through the, the world and even in us, wherever there is darkness or pain or suffering, there needs to be light. There needs to be an infusion of God and his grace. And his process of renewal is to chase out all of the hurt and the pain and the wickedness and the sin so that his name might be seen for what it is to be made holy. God invites us, our Father in heaven, may your name be revered, be hallowed. It's an invitation into mission. Do you see it? And it begins with our relationship to the Father. Our salvation is not solitary. When we come to know Jesus, we are enrolled into his workforce. We are now a participant in what he has planned to do. As Americans, we tend to compartmentalize things, right? Like we like to, everything has its own little place. And like I did my devotion and then I go and I do work and then I have my lunch with my friends and then I come and I maybe time with my wife and my kids and then I get some sleep. It's my time, a little Netflix, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna start over. And they're like these little segments of our life. And we get really good at it. And there's probably some values to it. There's probably some goodness in there. But life becomes, when we live in, in a vacuum for us, life becomes about my freedoms and my choices and my will and my autonomy, which much of the world doesn't really know about my autonomy. I would say most of the world doesn't know what it's like to live with so much freedom to do what I please. But we, we, as Americans, we tend to elevate it and it becomes the most important thing. The most important thing is that I get to do me my way. And I think, and again, I think there can be some goodness in that. Freedom's good, generally, right? But then we start saying, well, how does that affect me? How do I feel about that? And sometimes the gospel that bleeds into our relationship with Jesus in the gospel. We start to walk with Jesus in my terms. How do I feel about God today? Instead of being about how is my father in heaven, our God doing his mission through us on his terms and his way. It's really easy to, 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 to trip this up. Not just Americans, it's humans. We start to dictate, no God, you said do this and you would do this and you have it and I'm mad. You said pray and you'd fix it, but you didn't. And we start to get it upside down. We start to forget who's God, right? And who's, who's receiving the grace and who's giving the grace. We get that mixed up sometimes. There's a quote by Donald Miller I want to read. And I, I've used it in this church before, but it always stands out and I think it applies here. There's a man talking to the author Donald Miller in the book he wrote. And, and the man said this. This man said to me, I was a tree in a story about a forest. Not me, like trees. And, and that was arrogant of me to believe any differently. And he told me the story of the forest, the trees around me and what's happening, the environment is better than the story of the tree. The story of the forest is better than the story of the tree. 
and how I want to use this analogy is for us, the forest around us called into salvation as humans, humankind in this earth, in this place, at this time, the forest around us is the movement of God to bring all nations to know him and to end all suffering. That's the story of the forest. It's God's forest. He made us as trees, right? As a Christian, we're a part of it. It's not optional. We are a a tree in the forest. And it's good to know God personally. That's good. Do that. But see our story, even as Christians, whoever you are, in light of the greater story of redemption for what God's doing. We need to see our relationship with God in light of his great movement to redeem all things. And he calls us into relationship, not just to be forgiven, that's good. Not just to have hope, that's good. Not just to grow, those are good things. That's part of what he calls us. But he calls us to be a part of a story that's so much bigger than ourselves. That story, the twists and turns don't always go well for us, and yet it's still his story, and he's doing something magnificent through us. God calls us into relationship with him, and he sends us on mission. Salvation leads to mission. So my second point is, well, what does that mean? What is God's plan to renew all things? And that's verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's mission, his kingdom come, means make earth more like heaven. For me, the kingdom was always so confusing. I would never under, it was always like, what is the kingdom of God? Like, I don't know, he's, he's sort of winning, he's not, he's in control, and I think. And for some reason, it took rereading this prayer that I've said thousands of times to go, oh, it's actually, I mean, it's not everything, fine, but generally speaking, his mission is to renew all things. It's to, and what does that mean? It's to make earth more like heaven. So what's heaven like? I mean, we know what earth's like, right? We live here. It's good and it's bad. Depends on the, most days there's good and bad. We often sit with our kids around the dinner table, Casey usually remembers, to say, guys, what's your high and your low of today? And every day, all of us usually have a high. There was some good and a low. There was some hard. There was some bad right? Our life is mixed. There's seasons when it feels more bad than good. There's times when it feels like the wrong stuff is winning. We know what earth's like. It's beautiful. It's made in his image, but the creation is groaning. Well, what's heaven like? It's beauty. Heaven is perfect work. It's perfect love. Heaven is deep fulfillment on levels we didn't know we had. It's seeing and speaking to our creator God and worshiping him face to face. It's hanging out with the sun, right? It's this incredible thing. There's no shame. There's no pain, no hurt or anxiety or fear. And that's just scratching the surface. Heaven is epic. It's more than we can handle. It's more than we can ever imagine. It's goodness. So God's work in this world is to make earth more like that. And it's what he's doing always in all things. And he is winning, even when we don't see it. The mission is to make earth more like heaven. And that comes out of our relationship. We're called into that. So wherever there is pain or hurt or brokenness or darkness in your life, 
God is meeting you in there, and he wants you to know he is meeting you, and he wants to walk with you through it. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 1. I don't have time to get into it. But basically, Paul says that his life, they were despairing of life. They thought they were going to die. It was horrible. We, we literally thought we were going to die. And so he begged God to save us, and he did. And he comforted us in that. And he says, so that you can, we, we could then comfort you with the comfort we got from God. So Paul says, we went through this gnarly thing. We almost didn't make it. But in that, we asked God to deliver us, and he did, but he delivered us for you. And he delivered us so we could help you so you could go help others. And that's the gospel. Again, that solitariness, it's easy to think, this hard thing's happening, and I'm all alone, and no one sees me. And it feels that way, and that's hard. But in that, as we get back to God, and in that connection with our Father, He's doing that not just to work in us, but so that we can then let him work through us in the same moments in the lives of others. And that makes earth more like heaven, right? So how? We gotta keep going. How do we do that? Three ways. First of all, we pray. The first way we make earth more like heaven is we pray. You could argue every time we pray, we make earth earth more like heaven. Every time we take communion, every time we open the Bible, every time we we spend time with other believers, every time we encourage someone, but simply every time we pray, earth becomes more like heaven. I think Jesus had this general idea in mind when he first taught us this formula to pray. For our family, that journey towards asking God, should we move to Africa? Casey was like, we should move to Africa. And I was like, uh, yeah, but I don't know, yes, but I don't, why, what are we doing? You know, it was this long journey. She's like, don't you wanna do it? And I was like, sorta. Um, and I don't have time to unpack all that, but it was a long, like, multi-year journey, multi-fight journey, multi, I mean, conversation journey, uh, lots of talking, lots of praying, some forgiveness. There was a you tricked me fight one time. That's a whole other story. Um, but it was really us saying, you know, to God, what are you going to do? And she's like, we should go check it out. And I was like, but God didn't say we should yet. And she was like, what? You know, because we were just wired differently. And it was this whole big deal. And it was years and years, literal years, from the time we were dating, eight years later, when we're checking out Congo to think about moving there to join some friends on the field. And it was bathed in prayer. And it was given up on a number of times. I don't blame you. Uh, but it was waiting and asking God to move. And he moved in a different way to the point where like a year later, I was like, let's move to Uganda. And she was like, what? And that was because of prayer. It was prayer over and over. We didn't just go, we should be missionaries to Africa because that's the thing that everyone says they don't want to do, right? You people are like, I'll do anything for God except this one thing. And they don't say like, I don't want to, I don't want to like go to Hawaii or I don't want to go to Antarctica or I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to lead a kid's ministry. Christina, you're doing a great job. Uh, I could never do it. I don't want to, you know, they don't say that. They say, I don't want to what? Go be a missionary in Africa. That's the thing. That's it. For some reason, everyone thinks it's horrible. It's pretty awesome. You should try it. Um, God changed us and our story and my heart completely over a number of years, a hundred different ways. A lot of you were with us in that journey. God had to show up again and again in some miraculous and specific ways, and maybe in ways that make 
our denomination a little uncomfortable where the Holy Spirit is like saying things and using people, not completely. Most Presbyterians are okay with it. But God had to do a work again and again and again. And it was our story. And a lot of it was because my wife prayed. A lot of it was because John and Kylie Lee prayed. And a lot of it was because our small group prayed and I prayed and, and God did a work. It wouldn't have happened. So pray not so that you can move to Africa because I don't know if you're supposed to. That's not my job. Pray because God wants his kingdom to come. He wants earth to be more like heaven. And the more we pray, the more he makes earth more like heaven because he shows up and he does things. The challenge specifically is to pray and invite God in to you. Pray that your eyes would be open for the opportunities for what he wants to do. That he would give you the boldness to say kind things. That he would make you patient with your coworker who you don't like. That he would give you a heart for your neighbor. That you would want to lay down your life to love the people around you, including those in your own home or the people across the dinner table at Thanksgiving, because it's gonna be awkward, because it always is. Pray for that and see what he does. Have you ever been to a small group? I was just thinking about this. Have you ever had this moment when you're at small group and someone just said, you know what guys, I've been praying for God to give me the opportunity to talk about his love and he just doesn't. No one comes into my life. Have you ever been, have you ever heard anyone be like, you know, I just, I wanna, I, I wanna like serve people, but no one needs anything. Like, I mean, has anyone ever said that? Like, no, because everyone needs stuff and they mostly need you to listen, right? They mostly need you to say, How are, you, are you okay? You seem down, what's up? They need you to be salt. We all think God wants us to always be light where we're like, Jesus, Jesus. And that's good and important. But I think mostly he wants us to start by being salt where we're like, that seems really hard. Are you okay? That's all salt is. It slows down rotting meat, right? It goes into darkness and like pain and it says, mm, that's hard. Can I just be here with you? You don't even need to talk. Can I pray with you? What, what, do you, what should we do? It's just time and space for others. That's literally God's plan to change the world. But if we don't pray, we won't see it. I don't see it all the time. Just because we're missionaries in Africa doesn't mean we're like, I'm always preaching the gospel. It's super fun. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Because I'm still in the equation and I have to pray. We have to, even last night, my wife and I were praying and I was like, God, I don't think my wife and I prayed together recently. Like, that's not good. So let's go. Give us opportunities. God, make this morning at Harbor more about you than us. Do, do a work that your name would be hallowed. Because if we don't pray, it could happen. But when we pray, we start to have the scales fall off of our eyes. Our hearts begin to change. We change and earth becomes more like heaven. The second way that we make earth more like heaven is obey. N.T. Wright in his book, Surprised by Hope, talks about this. And we read it as a team and it was awesome. And it changed my life, changed a lot of our lives as it just talked about this idea that resurrection is the plan and resurrection of Jesus is the foretaste that what we get and it's awesome and let's go. And he said, one of the ways that you make earth more like heaven is by obeying. And I said, what? Because I grew up in a very, uh, I grew up in, a, in, a, in an environment 
in college that was very like, what have you done for God lately? I'm watching. Are you growing in God? You like prove it. Do your devotion. It was like, it felt hostile. It was like hostile holiness. I hated it. I did not thrive. <laughs> it was really hard. It's taken years and continues to be years to grow back from that. Because obedience felt like performance. Obedience felt like I was doing it to look what I did, guys. Can I be in leadership now? That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like me saying to God, I want to be more like you. But the reality is when we obey God, eat like every time when we walk to be more like Jesus, when we spend time with him, even a little earth already becomes more like heaven. No one has to notice. It doesn't mean you had to preach the gospel. It doesn't mean everyone got converted. Literally every little time that we obey God, earth becomes more like heaven because we've been become more conformed to his image, which that's what heaven is, right? Where we're all like him. When we grow and we experience the fruit of the spirit and it's like more joy, more love and more peace and more patience, more kindness, even a little in every little bit of obedience, earth is now more like heaven starting in you, which that's God's plan, remember? Your obedience makes earth more like heaven. And sometimes people notice too, which is pretty cool. There's a woman who, who works in our home with our kids and helps us out. Her name's Robina, and we love her. Um, I think her photo was up holding the little ducks. She's really close with our family. We miss her right now. And I, I Casey turned, can I, I can see how old you turned? Casey turned 40 uh, last year. I'm sure I didn't care. Um, I'm like 50. She's doing great. So she turned 40, and we, we, we put together a book saying uh, all the ways that we love you, and I threw it together last second because I'm really bad at those things, and I asked people to write something, and some people, some of you wrote things and emailed them, and it was, it was beautiful, and it was really cool, and I think she felt very loved. So on a daily basis, we try our best to be good parents. I mean, that's not true. We try usually to be good parents, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes you're like, I don't care. Be quiet, and you get mad because that's what it's like. We need earth to become more like heaven. So we're trying to, to, to raise our three children well. We love them. We try to love them. We try to put them toward Jesus. We try to be patient, and it's super hard, but we try. And this is what Robina wrote. She wrote to Casey. Sorry, I'm tearing up. I didn't think it would right here, but it's just cool. You've taught me how to be a mother in a different way. I didn't think this happened here. I see that you love your children. I see that you don't beat your children. And you taught me a new way to be a mother. Clearly she wasn't watching me. Um, <laughs> we, we weren't trying. We're definitely not perfect parents. We're just trying to love our kids and be obedient to do that. And we do it okay. Not perfect. A lot of room to grow. Please pray. Really. But in that, the person that we didn't even think saw us, the person who we feel like sometimes raises our kids as much as we do for us. She also put Boston on a motorcycle with her once. Like, really? That was weird. But she's awesome. And for her, just being, seeing us just try and fail and try 
changed her. And um, it's powerful because that's not me going, we're so good, because we're not. But in our attempts to be obedient, in this woman's life who we love, earth became more like heaven. Okay, so how do we become a part of God's mission to renew all things? Pray, invite him in, ask him, surrender each piece of your life. Tell him, I want you to do something. Please give me the eyes to see what you already are doing. And and I gotta say this really quick. Um, If you don't pray at your workplace, you won't see that it is a spiritual place. You will think God has already lost. I just believe it. If you don't pray at your school, I don't mean you have to pray at the flagpole and be like, Lord, you don't have to, you can do that. You don't have to. But if you don't pray in that place, you'll forget that it's a spiritual place. You just will. And if you don't pray in your home, and if you don't pray in your car while you're driving and yelling at the other drivers because Sandy is traffic, and if you don't pray, like in all those places, you will lose that all those places are spiritual already. You've just conceded the battle because you forgot. God's everywhere. He's not just at church. He's not just in your heart. He's everywhere. And when we pray, when we show up at work, you can do it silently. You can find a coworker and do it for five minutes a week. I promise you it will change you and therefore it will change your workplace. This is my biggest advice to students as a youth pastor for 15 years. Pray at your school. No one has to see. Pray at your school. Do it for five seconds. It will change you because you will see this is a spiritual place. It will remind you God is here. Pray more. Pray everywhere. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray anything because God's on the move. We just forget. I forgot that part. So back to this. So how do we see? Pray everywhere all the time, which we're trying to do and we don't do well, but we're learning and growing. I appreciate Omar and his example on that. We had dinner with them this week and it was awesome. And he's saying, we're doing the same here at Harbor. So let's pray and please pray for us. And second of all, obey, give your life to Jesus. And then third, give. I won't spend time here because it's been a long time, but um, look, everyone's busy in San Diego and everyone thinks they're more busy than they probably are. Let's just be honest. It feels so busy all the time. I asked Omar, was it like that in Boston? He said, it's probably worse. I'm like, well, that's good. I'm not as bad as Boston. Um, you always think you don't have time, but we have time where we don't realize we have time because we're so caught up in our head and doing these things and doing that and sometimes make the wrong choices, whatever. But the way that God makes earth more like heaven is when you give him your time or when you give others your time or when you give the word your time or when you give prayer your time or the church or whatever. I know we're all busy. I know it's hard. I get it. But when you give your time, to whatever it is that's good, earth becomes more like heaven. And the second thing is your money. When you give your money, which again, none of us have enough of. I know, neither do I. I'm a missionary. Just kidding. Um, When we give, thanks Rick. We got a laugh from Rick in the corner. Uh, uh, When we give of our time and our money, when we sacrifice, and what I mean by that is not just give to us. Most of you do, we're super thankful. But when you give to harbor and when you tithe and sacrifice, literally, earth becomes more like heaven. When you give to David's harp and when you give to generate hope, when you give to missionaries, but also when you spend money on your neighbors 
Or maybe when you decide not to work quite as much so that you can spend more time with your family. Like that's giving your money, right? Like that's real. And it's just worth mentioning. Not as an appeal for us, just as a thing. Earth becomes more like heaven when you sacrifice what matters the most to you. And what matters the most to most of us is our comfort, our security, our time, and our money. There might be a few other things, but really, is there? Comfort, security, time, money. When we give it up on purpose, this is uncomfortable. God's calling me to do it. I'll try. Earth becomes more like heaven. Same for time. Same for money. We were visiting the house of one of the families here at Harbor a couple of weeks ago, right after we landed, and we were secretly in San Diego for a few days, getting over our jet lag. And we were with this mom, and I won't name her because I didn't ask her. We were with this family, and this mom was cooking dinner. She was making a homemade lasagna. That's hard, right? I've done it. It's super hard. It's a lot. And she didn't just make a homemade lasagna while she was right after homeschooling her kids, entertaining us, like all this stuff's going on. She didn't just make a lasagna. She said, I'm going to make you guys lasagna. And I'm like, really? Thank you. Like we can go to Smart and Final and buy like a frozen thing. Nope. She made us a lasagna, but she didn't just do that. She had been around people here at church and had been listening and seeing what was going on in their lives. And she didn't wait for a meal sign up, which are awesome. Every time we had a kid, you guys gave us meals. Other times, it's amazing. Meal signups are really cool. But that's not what she did. She listened. She gave of her time and her money. And she's been praying, God, show me where I can bless people. And this super busy mom, homeschooling these young kids, made herself a lasagna, made us lasagna, and made two more families in the church a lasagna while we were there visiting them. She made four lasagnas, people. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of lasagna. And it's ridiculous, but like earth became more like heaven in those lasagnas. Like really, she then got in her van and she drove. She said, hey, I'm gonna make you dinner tonight. And she came and she dropped it off. She does not have time for that. I know that. But she made that time and she spent that money and she made lasagnas and they were delicious. And I think earth became more like heaven because they were delicious, but also because of the sacrifice and the love that came out of that. Do you see that? Is it so much? I mean, she could have ordered food, which would have been awesome. And it was not wrong to not order or to have to cook the thing or whatever, right? But I was blown away. How do we bring heaven to earth? We pray and invite God to do it. We obey, we offer him ourselves. And in every little thing, earth becomes more like heaven and we give of our time and, and, and our money. God, your father, the king of the universe, he gave you life, which we're gonna celebrate in a little bit. He called you into relationship with him. And in that, he enrolled you into his, what they call him in Uganda, a program, his plan to help make earth more like heaven. And ultimately that with the new heavens and the new earth would come and we would all, the whole world be renewed and all pain and suffering and hurt and loss would be gone. But in the meantime, his plan is to use you, to use us, every single person in the world, whether we're willing or not, to be a part of that renewal. And he's given you time and money and tons of circles of influence and relationships beginning in your own heart at home. Start praying, start obeying, keep giving. Wherever you are, pray and obey in those places and ask God to work through you because he already is. Let me pray and, uh, and we'll be done. 
Jesus, thank you that you're super good. You love us so much. You do things in us and through us that we don't deserve. And you're awesome. You're so kind. You're so caring. God, thank you for giving us so much in the gift of Jesus Christ. Everything we need for life and godliness. We don't think it's true. We forget and we need reminders. So thank you for things like this church, like your word, your Holy Spirit, like communion that remind us of what you have done for us. Open our eyes, help us to see what you're doing and to sign up. And God, again, I just praise you and I thank you for this church. Our hearts are filled with gratitude for the ways in which they have taught us these things. They have modeled these things and they have sacrificially given so we might go and learn more and stumble and fail, but still try to honor you halfway across the world. It's so good to be home. And I give you praise for all that. May your name be honored this morning, even here. We pray in your name. Amen.